It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuspodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman along with my friend Dr. Stu fighting a little bit of laryngitis, which sounds like it's coming, it, uh, but uh, but it is me, folks. I your am voice, here. Your voice is still eloquent. Aren't you nice? And uh, yeah, I just, oh, I could just you could do, why don't you do the whole podcast today, Brian, and I'll just sit and listen to you. No, I'm just going to talk like this, Dr. Stu, the oh, whole time and okay. pretend I'm like doing afternoons on 94.7 The Wave. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so Dr. Stu is here. The website, ask Stu at gmail.com. That's the email address, not the website. If you have a question for Dr. Stu, Ask Dr. Stu at gmail.com. The website, of course, if you're there, maybe you're listening on iTunes, drstuspodcast.com. You can listen right there, see the blogs, check out the YouTubes, bounce around. There's a lot on the website. I say go to iTunes and subscribe to Dr. Stu's feed. Give him five stars. Write a nice review. How much does it cost? It's free. Right. It's free. Why so would, why wouldn't you do it? Why, right. The man's a doctor. He's given his life. I'm a doctor. To save others, he's a doctor. I'm he's a, a doctor. doctor. Well, it's the, a doctor. It's the least you can do. Now, I am also not just uh, your co-host and your friend, but I've become, uh, I think, your, ma- your mail boy, and I have some mail for you. <laughs> uh, did I give you your latest copy of the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons? It just came in the mailbox. Did you see it? Yes, I did. Okay, I brought it. Yeah, uh, thank you. I have something for you from Publishers Clearinghouse. Do you want this? Uh, well, is it, it, you is it a, a fat envelope or a very thin envelope? Well, it's got coupons. Is it accompanied it. by six people with cameras and flowers? No, no, that I don't. You don't want. want them. No, they can okay. throw that out. Okay, all right. So you don't want those. All right, very <laughs> no. good then. No, the first one I'll take. Do you want the Val Pack? It's got a lot of stuff for like fabrics. <laughs> I'll just put that aside too. No, you know what? I, I can't remember the last time I opened that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get I get ten letters a day. I think I open zero. <laughs> okay, so what we the should, bills. Well, I have to open the bills. So let's focus then on the Journal of American Physicians yes. and Surgeons. Let's because get serious for a moment. Compared to the Val Pack and the other topic right. for me okay i'll stop okay. kidding around then as no you can kidding. get around but but just keep a perspective here okay yes sir i'm sorry all right so what you, what's going on with you I'm, I'm just sitting over here where i'm more comfortable i'm very sorry are we recording of course we are. <laughs> okay. i love it when people say well i love when the podcast oh. gets so organic where people are okay going, so are we doing the this? journal of american physicians and surgeons has a mission statement and the reason i like this organization is because they represent the practicing physician and their mission statement basically says something like this. It's committed to publishing scholarly articles related to the practice of medicine and to promoting open debate and scientific integrity. And scientific integrity is something that is really compromised of late because what we're seeing more and more is we're seeing political and industrial influences on science. That means that the funding for the scientific research comes from uh, benefactor and so therefore the scientific research better support the benefactor's point of view because if it doesn't the scientist is going to find himself out of a job right right so we've we discussed this recently in an article in one of my I think podcast 14 we talked about an article that uh, has a lot of flaws in it but here's a really good um, this is sort of an op-ed piece from the president of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons named Juliet Madrigal Dash Dersh uh, she's a physician, and she is a practicing uh, pediatrician and internal medicine in Marble Falls, Texas. Okay. She writes an article called Dialect of Deceit, mm. and she starts out like this, uh, quote, I received a packet in the mail from one of the big insurers asking that I consider joining their network. To amuse myself, I opened it and read. Attached was a 15-page contract prefaced by the usual vague assumptions about the insurer and the manner in which it would tell the doctor what to do. The next paragraph after paragraph began with the words, quote, doctor shall submit. Doctor shall submit over and over. The language was so hypnotic in its repetition and cadence. Doctor shall submit. 
like a chant or a hymn. Oh. Doctor shall submit. And forgive me, doctor shall submit paperwork. Doctor shall submit to what we tell him to do. Exactly. I thought to myself, they tossed it in the trash. I will not submit. Ooh. Who does that sound like to you? Stuart Fishbein. Yeah, well, it does sound Doctors like do that bit. badass doctor I do a podcast with. So what, what, the, what, what are the things she starts out with? She talks about little subtle lies. And she talks about how the use of language is, uh, affects how people look at whatever product or service you're trying to, uh, to promote or to, or to manage. For instance, in our lives, we recently in the news, of course, is the Affordable Care Act. This is a euphemism, which, which is really an oxymoron. Sure. Okay. It's not affordable, and it's not about care. It's about insurance, and but it's called the Affordable Care Act. We also have the Health Information and Patient Privacy and Protection Act, HIPAA. or HIPAA. Okay. Well, does anyone really believe that this is going to be private? Is it really about anything that's patient protection-wise? I, I don't. I don't know. Anybody that's dealing with it knows that it's really an intrusiveness into the doctor-patient relationship. Doctor Stu, you said a moment ago, doctor shall submit. Right. That's it. The mantra: doctor shall submit. You said something about language, and it occurred to me: language, when language is used in an effective way or in a certain way, it defines the relationship. That language, doctor shall submit seven more times. Doctor shall submit. Doctor shall submit. Doctor shall submit. Doctor shall submit. His doctor should bend over and right. take it, you know, it's where. It's defining the relationship between, in this case, the insurance company, right, and the doctor. And nowhere in that is the benefit of the patient. Haven't even heard about the patient no, yet. No, no. Uh, and, and so one of the things that they use in the language thing that they've done, this has been going on for about 20 years since managed care came to California, mm. uh, was changing the word physician to the word provider. All right? The word provider, instead of doctor, has been universally accepted, even... Even doctors now use the word sometimes when they're talking about, you know, uh, uh, the patient will ask, are you a provider? Yeah, I'm a provider for that insurance company. And what that, it's a seemingly non-threatening word, but it instantly erases the years of, of medical training that we've had, the exams, the expense, intensive education. And it basically lumps us in with, you know, physician's assistants, nurse practitioners who are, are often called Dr. Susie or Dr. Pa, Dr. Bob and, and essentially don't have any of the training that we do, but we're all providers. So it's one way to neutralize the effect that, that the doctor-patient relation has, which is something that insurance companies want to do. They want to get in between there because the only way to manage care is to break that well, yeah, bond. I mean, the kid who I deal with down at, at uh, McDonald's, he's a provider of my French fries. Yes, yes. He does he's very busy, but, by the no, way. Really, he, he is busy. You're right, and, right. We, and we applaud him. <laughs> right. I, 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 Jesus, you do a great job. Do you call him Dr. Jesus? No, I just call you him You should. His you name, probably should call him. His, his name tag says Jesus. That's what I call but him. But if he's a provider, you should call him Dr. Jesus. But he is my provider. He is a provider of fries. He's a provider of, of deep-fried potato products that I enjoy every day. And they know your name. They do know my name. Yes. I'm Brian. One morning, I went there at 5 a.m. to my McDonald's, and I swear this happened. I drive up at 5 a.m., and this happens. And I'm the first person in the morning because I'd been up all night. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Yeah. Uh, can I have two hash browns uh, with no... Brian? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it is. Oh, honey, I know what you want. Just pull ahead to the next window. I got it. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like, oh, okay. It was the most it's, embarrassing it's funny. moment. It's like, it's like going to the bartender and the bartender says, oh, Brian, and you want the usual. Right. Yeah, right. It's the same thing. McDonald's funny. is Brian's bar. Yeah. So the, 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 the next thing that they do often, another term that they use is that the doctors, in order to get paid, have to file a claim for reimbursement. You know, it's, it, we're, we're filing a claim instead of expecting payment. 
For one, for one, it's not a claim. It's an invoice. The doctor actually saw the patient. So in fact, it's not a claim. Uh, when the claim is denied, it implies that the doctor falsely asked for money. The claim is clean. The physician is reimbursed. The term implies that oh the... Oh, my vi- God. The language is like you're clean, so you're not dirty. But if you weren't clean, you must be dirty. If your claim wasn't clean, you must be a dirty doctor, a dirty physician, a dirty professional. It should be called a bill because that's what it is, mm. not a claim. All right. Another thing is that we often use the term by insurance companies will credential us. We're credentialed by insurance companies, which means... You get a little badge or something? No, all it means is that we were stupid enough to sign the contract. Okay? Okay. Now, I personally, personally, along with Dr. Uh, Madrigal-Dirsch, I I don't take insurance. And when patients who do ask their companies how to get reimbursed for my care, they are told by their insurers that I am a non-credentialed physician, which sounds as if I'm not certified to be a doctor. Right. It makes you sound like it makes it sound like Brian Whitman's coming in to do the delivery. How would you feel? How would you feel if your kid came home from school and said, Dad, my teacher is not credentialed? I'd get him out of that school so fast you'd your think, head had spin. You'd think, well, maybe, you know, I mean, sometimes not credentialing doesn't necessarily imply anything good in, in education, too. But the idea that we are it implies to a patient that. Standards have been met, right? Credentialed means standards have been met. You're less of a doctor because you don't take insurance. I'm not qualified. Yes, you are. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. This guy's a doctor. Okay. Next thing she talks about is we beg for pre-authorization. Okay. And instead of telling patients what we really should tell them, your insurance company's profits are more important than your health, and it doesn't want to pay for that. (laughs) Okay. This is what pre-authorization means. We have to get permission. All right. And we're pressured by hospitals as well to uh, participate in quality control initiatives, all right? And instead of honestly telling patients that, you know, cost-cutting measures means they can't have the treatment, but that's what quality control, and and they even get to something like meaningful use. Have you mm-hmm. heard the term meaningful use? No, I have not. And th- this is all coming from the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. Dr. Stu is reading from it. This is basically uh, the AAPS sort of offering you as a physician guidelines. Meaningful use is going to be a term it's going to come up in the Obamacare uh, uh, fiasco that's def- that I believe is a fiasco that's going to follow in the next several years because what's going to happen is everything's going to be electronic. They're going to be able to look at you and they're going to be able to determine that what you're doing is either outside of what the norm is. A certain percentage are going to be higher than, than, be, than ever and they're going to say that you know, that's, what you're doing is unnecessary. Uh, basically, you're not following orders. And doctors shouldn't be following orders. Doctors should be following best medical practices to to take care of their patients but they change the wording and and so patients don't understand this and it's all it's all very deceitful can i ask you a question and this is to, this is all, off the topic yes but not really you said doctors don't follow orders and i'm thinking about people listening they to shouldn't your, follow orders a doctor shouldn't follow they all orders. too often right. follow orders right. i'm thinking of people listening to dr stew's podcast we've all seen movies right you'll do that you or army movies that's an order you'll follow my order i'm sure in your life i don't know if there are any stories that come to mind you have seen very dramatic moments almost as if from a motion picture in an operating room for example or during a delivery where there are two doctors present one has rank over the other there's controversy there's conflict there is a difference of opinion and a doctor does it ever happen when doctors interact with other doctors where a doctor will pull rank and say that's an order you do it this way well in training it does yes in training it does you do it you know especially i don't think i think that's changed somewhat now brian but i think when i was training they had the, the socratic method where you know you were you did it the way that your 
attending or that your professor told you to do it. And if you deviated from that, you got excoriated. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's still as strict that way. But yeah, it's not the same thing as, you know, in, in pilots and airplanes, if there's a captain in the in the cockpit, sometimes the lesser people, especially in cultures, I remember, I remember reading about the crash that occurred at San Francisco airport where some of the other people in the crew knew that they were below the uh, flight plan right. or the, uh, I forgot what it's called, where they, they were landing on a certain uh, plane. Right. And... Um, I should know that because I am a private pilot. You but, are. But you I'm are. 10 years out from actually ever doing right. any flying. But in a case like that, you've got a pilot with wings and he's got stripes on his shirt. And culturally, they were told that their superior is, is imperial and they didn't say anything. And they find that that's the same sort of thing that can happen in these situations where, where yeah, sometimes you, you, you think that, I mean, poor nurses, sometimes nurses at a hospital, they know what a patient needs. But they have to get permission from the doctor to do it, and the doctor doesn't necessarily want to do it, or the doctor's being obstinate, and they have to sit there and follow orders. There's nothing they can do. They can try to go up their chain of command, but ultimately, it all it just leads to more chaos. Have you ever seen, and, and I guess we're talking shop here, and I, I ask for no names, but everybody who works feels this way because we all work for somebody. Have you ever seen, I've never seen it in my presence as a patient, have you ever seen a doctor, male or female, just ream out rip to shreds verbally a male or female nurse just yes. chew them out yes because what because somebody died it's that serious or just because the doctor is having a bad day i mean I'm, well I'm, it could be it could be any of those things brandon and i and i would say that i've been very guilty of this uh in past years that i have you know probably inappropriately at times lost my temper because my ultimate goal was care of the patient and when a order isn't followed that's led to a negative outcome or a patient has sat in a bed all night long and, and hasn't peed and has a bladder that's full and has 1,500 cc's of blood on the bed and 2,000 cc's of urine in her bladder, and you wonder what the night crew did all night long. Yeah, these sort of things get you outraged because now the patient is in the hospital for a week on dialysis yeah. and, uh, and um, getting transfusions. Yeah, and, oh. and it doesn't need to happen that way. So you know, who do you, what do you do? I mean, the problem, of course, is when you yell at a nurse Nurses are unionized. They work for the hospital. Me as an outside person. So who gets who gets peer reviewed? Not the nurse. Me for yelling. The problem isn't the problem or the bad care. The problem is this, how you dealt with the bad care. Yeah, it becomes to look like what our listeners can identify very easily in their mind quite quickly as an HR situation. Right. 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 The, well, oh, the doctor yelled at me, and then there's a big thing. Well, this brings me to the next uh, next thing that she writes about uh, in this article, and she talks about hospitals a little bit, and she talks about the fact that we keep Again, we're getting into the word language. We keep privileges, quote, unquote. And it's like at a hospital, as though it's some great honor to work there. And as though the hospital could survive without us. So actually, we're privileged to be there. It should be the other way around, don't you think? And then we also have to do maintenance of certification. It's a fiction perpetuated by um, uh, the American Board of Medical Specialties that claims that somebody who's board certified is more qualified than other doctors, even though there's not a whole lot of studies that show that that, well, there's no studies that show that that's the case, all right? Mm, mm. Then, you know, so, you know, we have to do all this, these sorts of things that they come up with these these. Now, let me ask you languages. something, and, uh, and you've been very eloquent, and that's a lot of information for people to consume, and a very interesting. But my listeners, my listeners know exactly what I'm talking no, about. No, I know, of course, absolutely. Right. And by the way, even people uh, who are not tied into the community will be interested by this information coming from a doctor's perspective. But I would say to you, as you read from the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons, and again, doctor will submit, doctor will submit. 
Stuart, can you look at me? Can, um, I have a marble on a ball. Can you watch it? Swing left to right and just listen to my voice. Doctor will submit. Doctor will submit. Yes, Brian. Say it to me. Doctor will submit. Doctor will submit. All right. Now what? Doctor will, will submit. submit. Doctor will, will submit. submit. Now what in the event? And you, I mean, I got to snap him out of it, Randy. Hold yeah. on a second. When I start roof, clacking. Roof. No, Roof. no, don't do that. Roof. No, I, that's, oh, you didn't tell me to bark? No, oh, that's, sorry. that's stage hypnotism. Oh, I, do that sorry. At the, I do that at the Laugh Factory. <laughs> when I say, welcome back and snap my fingers, you'll come out of it, okay? Doctor will submit. Doctor will submit. And welcome back. Hey, hello. Hi. So, Hi. Dr. Stu, if the doctor does not want to submit to these guidelines, what does the doctor do? He commits suicide because he has to submit. The doctor must submit. My hypnosis really did work. I doctor didn't, must ran, submit. No, no. Is he back? Is he still under, you think? No, now it's it's in his brain now. Is it worked? I, I, I did it, right? Yeah. Wow. That was oh, impressive. And, and Randy, yes, I will I will do your laundry when I'm done, and I will clean your kitchen. Oh, wow. Okay. It's beautiful. <laughs> wow. This, I, I've never been so <laughs> I powerful. To, I just dabble in hypnosis. Brian, what can I do for you? Oh, oh I, I think I need to call 911. I've never had anything like this happen. I dabble <laughs> no, in no, hypnosis. No, no. Keep him this way. This is great. But I just dabble in hypnosis. I never Brian. had a submissive doctor before. Do you want me to put you under two later? Let's do it. I'll do it later, all right? But, okay, uh, Stuart. Are we, uh, can I, I, wait, you, can uh, I wake up now, really? I, I'm, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to snap and... So you didn't even call me Dr. Stuart. You called me Stuart. See, it's, uh, I'm already just provided. Just call me Provider Stuart for the rest of the... When uh, I snap my hands, you'll stop complaining and go to sleep. <laughs> Okay. And there he goes. Okay. So, so really, <laughs> very funny. I'm yeah. Provider Stewart. Right. Provider Stewart. Yes. Pro- Stewart, provider of medical information and services. Provider Stewart's podcast. All right. And <laughs> provider Stew's podcast. Doesn't have the ring of Dr. No, Stew's podcast, not. but it ain't bad. No, really. What if you're reading this as a doctor and you don't want to submit? What is your recourse? What is the alternative? Is there one? And I'm being quite serious. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, we, have to, we have to take back the language. We have to refuse to accept the... Um, it's great that it's a great question, by the way, because that's where I was going to go next anyway. Had you're, you not you're been so put brilliant, under? Brian? You were so brilliant. But uh, we have to not accept the language. In other words, I think that we need to call normal, healthy, pregnant women clients, not patients. We need to not accept the fact that we, we do not accept that we're providers. We just we can't go along with that. Um, what Doctor uh, Madrigal Dersh writes, he says, we must learn to identify deceptive and manipulative language and avoid falling into arguments or discussions founded on terms designed to mislead. We kn- should not take part in that. We, you know, when, th- when they talk about safety as a reason for doing something, let's argue and let's say, you know what, it's not about safety, it's about control. It's about loss of liberty, it's about loss of decision making. Let's not let the government or the insurance company or even your, uh, your little HMO or your little doctor group tell you something that isn't true. You, yeah. you, you need to stand up. Doctors need to Remember that they are the experts. They're the ones that sacrificed. They're the ones that did all these uh, uh, long hours and, and th- uh, thankless uh, nights and call to, to, make, to be able to make these decisions. And they need to be able to uh, stand up to the people and, and say, no, I'm not a provider. Yeah. Uh, do you think that I asked you on a recent podcast if everything you know now, if you could do it all over again, would you choose to be a doctor? And you said no. You wouldn't. You'd choose to be something other than a physician. Do you think most of your colleagues would have that answer? Um, well, I don't. I, of I, course, I, you're speculating. I don't know, but I can, I can speculate. I can tell you something that's not speculation. A couple of years ago, I was at a dinner. About 30 OBGYNs were there. It was a, a, a representative was there for a, a new product. Okay. And one of the part of the lecture that they gave us was they had the attorney from the co- company there talk about the legalities of it. And he was very engaging, and he asked everybody there, how many of you 
would have your children wait first of all he said how many of you would be a doctors now if you wanted to and about half the room raised their hand and they're all physicians all OBGYNs okay and then the, the second question he asked, how many of you want your children to be OBGYNs not a single hand went up and this was three or four years ago so that just gives you an idea. I mean, again, it's a small anecdotal story. To me, that's but sad. I think it's, it's terribly sad. But again, most of the doctors in that room are shepherds. We've talked about our shepherd and sheep argument before. I mean, when you, when you want to run your own show, medicine is not the place you want to be, especially when you're dealing with stuff like this, where it belittles you. It belittles you. You're, you need privileges. You need to be credentialed. You need to be your provider. It's just, Let me ask you something. Me, 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 me. Yeah, okay. Uh, great. Dr. Stu's going, me, me, me. They give me this stuff. Me, 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 me. They send me these letters. Can I ask you something? Is it, you know you're my friend and I love you. Is it possible that doctors, because so many of them, and I count you among them, are so brilliant and are so smart and have succeeded in so much and have performed so well and have met so many standards, is it possible that with that sometimes comes an ego that might be larger or more inflated than the typical one? And then when the man, as a guy, regular guy listening to this who ain't a doctor, when the man, the boss, sends out something and says, you know, you'll submit, you'll do this, people go, eh. But when doctors read, doctor will submit, doctors go, well, who the blank do they think they are? I'm a doctor, for God's sake. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, of course there is. I mean, you know, I think that's true in any profession. I think that that you know you look at politicians you look at lawyers you look at uh airline pilots i mean anybody that's in a, a position of of authority is going to want to be able to execute that authority and not be told what to do i mean i don't think that that it makes common sense for doctors and uh, not common sense that's not the right word but it does it would be it's not prudent yeah it would be it'd be wrong to do that and it would and it just seems like the problem is brian is that you know, at the beginning of this thing, I said, you know, she got this 15-page contract or whatever it is about, you know, most doctors just sign the 15th page. How many? They don't, they don't actually read it because, first of all, it's illegible. Oh, they all no, sign not, it, That's though. the wrong no, word, that's, too. No, that's the right word. Uh-oh. No, illegible means you can't read it. Oh, it's incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible. There do you all si- Do you think all sign it? Do some return it unsigned? Yeah, I mean, most, most doctors, unfortunately, submit because, you because. know. Because? They doctor will, will submit. submit. Doctor right. shall submit. Right. Doctor shall submit. Yeah, they they submit because they have an overhead and they think that you know what, I'll just make up in volume what I can't make in private practice. They're afraid. You know, they, they, you look at the environment is such now that we've sort of lost the private practicing physician. Yeah, is on the losing end of the battle. Yep. Okay. Now, what I like about this journal and this group of physicians is that they don't believe we've lost the battle. Right. They believe that we are on the losing end of the battle, but we have to stand up and take it back. The fight continues. And the way to do that, as I've always said before, is you have to reach the young people. You have to reach the medical students. Yeah, let's residents. talk about that. And I wanted to talk to you about that before we uh, before uh, the end of Dr. Stu's podcast. We still have, obviously, some time to go here. I wanted to ask you about uh, here we are more than one week into Obamacare. And I don't know if you saw it, but when I was on my way in, uh, did you see all of the doctors um, jumping fr- from from their offices, getting into cars, and, and, and driving away and leaving their lab coats and stethoscopes. They're all lined up. Ventura Boulevard, the doctors have just walked off their jobs. Uh, they don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I see some of them actually just walking home. They, it looks so sad. Like they, they need to get out of that office so quickly they won't even drive. They won't wait for a car. They're walking home. And, and, and I've seen a lot of doctors down at, at, at Skid Row now, believe it or not. They, they're they're getting, have to get free meals because of Obamacare. And so many doctors have lost their livelihood. I'm sure, Stuart, you as doctors do, you're 
your heart must break to see your colleagues on su- on on lines at soup kitchens as a result of Obamacare here just a week out. I mean, uh, it, isn't it horrible what's tra- happening? It's absolutely tragic. Yeah, it is. It's, and it's, all of the people I've talked to who have called me and said, Brian, I've lost my doctor. I said, what do you mean? So I called the office and he's not there anymore. I said, did he die? No, he walked off the job because he won't work in these Obamacare conditions. I've talked to, I think, 38 people in the last day who've had that horrible experience. Does it not break your heart as a physician? I almost did this without laughing to see all of this <laughs> happening around you. Well, the truth is, Brian, that, that that what breaks my heart more is to see all these physicians lined up at the uh, uh, World War II Veterans Memorial okay. and, and, okay. and not, yeah. being able, yeah. not being able to get in to yeah. see, the, well, see a, the World War II Veterans Memorial. That's no, a, That's fair, too. I, I think that your sarcasm is beautiful and Thank lovely. And done well, right? Done well? It was done well until you cracked up at the end there, because yeah. I think the listeners were wondering, what the, well, where, I where the hell is he going with this one? I let myself crack up so that the listeners could see that I wasn't no, being but there, completely but, serious. No, but there is something about having a, uh, a physician taking care of you who's, who's secretly disgruntled. And there is, there is a disgruntledness that goes on in medicine. The doctors are unhappy. They're not going to show it on the individual patient. That would be unprofessional. My but, doctor shows it to me. Well, yeah, you're right. You never even, she never made eye contact with you. Oh, and that's the dermatologist, my primary care physician, my primary care provider. He gives me a lot of attitude when he sees me for the two minutes he sees me. And uh, now, this is new, Randy. This is the first you've mentioned of this. Uh, w- when did you have this encounter with the provider? Uh, the first time I had this encounter was probably four years ago for just a routine right, It physical. sounds like something happened recently uh, because on the last podcast you didn't mention this. No, no, this isn't recent. It's just something that I think about a lot. Because how is he rude? Does he, does he beat you? No, uh, here's Ryan, how he's Ryan, rude. You're going, off the, you're going off the reservation here. No, today, I want to know how he's rude. How he's rude is well, I was... Sorry. I was I was a little bigger a few years ago. I was about 280 pounds, and I was telling the doctor, it's hard for me to lose weight. And he says, as he's walking out of the place, he looks at me real snidely. He says, you know, you'd lose weight if you got off that wacky tobacco. That's what he said? <laughs> he said that word okay. for word. And he wasn't referring to, like, Marlboros or Newports. He was no. referring to marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Something uh, I told him in confidence that he decided to, uh, to insult me. With. Well, that may have been that may that may have been more a style problem than than actually a disgruntled problem. Well, now what I'm what I'm talking about is that after you leave at the end of the day, that he goes home and he complains to his spouse uh, about how how much paperwork he had to do, or he spent three hours at the end doing paperwork or writing letters to insurance companies or or filling going online and filling out disability forms for people and, and spending all this time. that's how people became doctors. And you know, Randy doesn't escape that. You know, he says to his wife, oh yeah, and I met the overweight guy who's a, who, who loves the weed. You should have seen I spent eight seconds with this real heavy guy who loves yeah. weed. I begged him to stop smoking weed so his blood pressure would go down for God's sake. And then Whitman came in. He literally had his face in a 20-piece pack of McNuggets while I was trying to take his blood pressure. I mean, I guess we are humans. We probably, in fairness, patients yeah. do give our doctors and providers a lot to kvetch about. The doctor well, said, hey, well, Brian, I, you got to stop eating McNuggets. And you said, why? Because I'm trying to examine you. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the deal, guys. Yeah, man. You guys, this, oh, you're I, talking, you're talking I, about I, something I that's, it. you're talking about something that's different right. than what I'm, what I'm talking about. I mean, obviously dealing with patients on an individual basis. Yes. You're going to have your opinions and you're going to try to keep them to yourself. And sometimes you're not going to be very professional about it. And you're going to let stuff out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being unhappy because way the people my age and older, we started out in medicine where medicine was essentially run by physicians and we were the captains of our own ship. You've talked about the Marcus Welby days. Yeah. And what, what's happening now is that we're not captains of our own ship anymore. And as this wonderful article points out, we have, we have been beaten down. We have been, we're, we're in a push, place of submission 
You know, doctors shall submit, doctors shall submit. And, and you know what? This is not what we, what we bargain for. And this is not in the best interest of the people we care for. And ultimately, that's the thing that's been sacrificed the most in all this is that nowhere in this discussion is the patient. They're either, they're, they're either off the radar screen entirely or very low on the totem pole mm. because, the, because the patients are going to suffer. And when you, you know, they talk about death panels with Obamacare. And, you know, quite frankly, there's, a, there's an interesting point here she makes about Britain's National Institute of Health and Care Excellence, which is another one of these, you know, these names that's sort of an oxymoron, okay? Right, the National right. Institute for Health and Care Excellence, and it, and it annually sends 130,000 elderly people to their deaths by sedating and starving them. This is a, a statistic from, uh, from Liverpool. And, um, well, if it's it, true, it's horrifying. Right, and, and their acronym is NICE, N-I-C-E. Oh. I don't know what it is. <laughs> National Institute for Care Excellence. Oh. And it doesn't quite seem that it's exactly what they're nice. doing. Actually, you know what the acronym should be? Treacherous. <laughs> that's, but that's too, that's many too long. Yeah, right, okay, right. All right. All right. Shit. How about shit? Yeah, the that Society for Health in <laughs> Terminal Cases. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right. Dr. Stu's podcast. Go to the website, drstuespodcast.com. Don't submit. Don't submit. Doctor shall submit. No, doctor shall not submit. Listen. Doctor shall. Look at the marble. <laughs> Doctor shall submit. Doctor shall submit. Say it out loud. Doctor shall not submit. Oh, he's such a renegade. Doctor shall not submit. Go to iTunes and register and subscribe to Dr. Stu's podcast and write him a nice review and give him five stars and come back all the time for Dr. Stu's podcast. For my friend, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, I'm Brian Whitman. Thanks for joining us on Dr. Stu's podcast. Dr. Stu's podcast.